Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your host, host, Neil Villapiano! What is going on, Devils fans? It is always your host, your best friend, your confidant, your number one source, Neil Villapiano. And welcome to another exciting edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network as well as Sportswire Radio, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. So, always, guys, hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check this episode out greatly. Greatly appreciated this podcast episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network. Our sponsor, as always, by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. And with March Madness right now beginning, right now as you guys are listening to this, the NCAA tournament is about to start. The NIT tournament has already gotten underway. And also the World Baseball Classic getting into the quarter slash semifinals. And with all that going on, DraftKings is giving you guys unbelievable opportunities to cash in on huge money prizes. So if you want to get in on the action, go to DraftKings Sportsbook right now, sign up, use our promo code THPN, and as always, tell them that your boy Neil Villapiano sent you. Once again, a big thank you and shout out to our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook for sponsoring the Devil's State of Mind podcast as well as the Hockey Podcast Network. Devils fans, we have a very special guest joining us here on this episode. He has... He has come home, a Devils fan, a Devils writer. He has come back. He's come back to cover our beloved New Jersey Devils, our very talented, very talented New Jersey Devils. So it is, it is with great pleasure that we welcome our new Devils writer, Mr. Sam Nestler. Sam, welcome to the Devils State of My Podcast. First and foremost, welcome back. And second of all, how are you doing today, my friend? Thank you very much, Neil. It's good to be back. I am great. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Well, we are certainly super excited to have you on today, and I'm looking forward to getting to know a little bit about you, a little bit more about you, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. So here's first question. So you were born in Chatham, New Jersey. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, it's up in uh, North Jersey. Uh, fun fact, uh, he also played back at the Prudential Center back in 2011, winning a state championship. So a little bit of, uh, he's definitely got some Jersey hockey uh, roots in him. But my question really is, Sam, is how did you get, how did you get invested in hockey? And more particularly, how did you get invested in the New Jersey Devils? Sure. Yeah. Well, growing up, I mean, New Jersey hockey is just pretty much natural. You know, it's not Michigan, but it's, it's pretty much born, you know, when you, when you're young and your parents want you to play as soon as you can. I was on skates, I think by the age of six, uh, and then everyone else in my family slowly tick- trickled off after one or two years of playing, and I just stuck with it. Ended up playing all the way through through 
my young age through high school, winning the championship through college, and obviously still to this day trying to trying to get after it whenever I can. So, uh, growing up, my first game, uh, I think it was the year I started playing hockey, if I remember correctly. Uh, the Devils were playing the Stars in the Stanley Cup Final in 2000, and my dad's company wow. got tickets uh, to game. I believe it was game two mm. um, at the Continental Airlines Arena, and that was my first game ever, which was pretty uh, pretty shocking, but also. A little bit blessed, I guess, to be my first game to be in the Stanley Cup final. I don't think a lot of people have that story. So uh, that from there, it was just I, I ended up actually following the Dallas Stars and the Devils pretty closely for for that reason, uh, and just watched them throughout my whole life. What What was your experience like at that game? I mean, obviously, it's you know the second game of the Stanley Cup Finals is your first introduction to you know watching the NHL in person. Like, talk to us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, it was it was wild. I, I the game itself, I believe I can't remember the exact score. I think I put it in my in my kind of intro article there, but I believe the Devils won. Um, if not, either the Stars won two nothing or the Devils won two to zero, something like that. But it was just, I mean, I was six or seven years old, so it was mind blowing. You know, I, I'd never been in an, in an environment like that. I think I'd been to one football game, but you you know as well as anybody, going to a football game outdoors in a huge stadium is not the same as going to an intimate. 20,000 hockey state hockey arena uh, right and the towels were going the the it was back in the day so there were tons of fights tons of scraps not a whole lot of rules uh it was wild and it just I'm I'm not surprised that I fell in love with the sport immediately no I don't blame you and uh to answer your question before the Devils did win game two of that you know game two of the finals uh four to two um, and I believe if I have it correctly here, that was uh, the same game that I think Ken Danico ended up scoring a goal um, in that one. If I do have it um, correct here, I was just I just had it in front of me. Uh, yeah, he did have a goal and assist, which, you know, for you, Sam, I mean, considering that Danico was not uh, a goal scorer by any means and scored very rarely, um, as Gary Thorne said on his broadcast, it must be a leap year. When Ken Danico scores a goal. So, yeah, you got to see a pretty, pretty game and ultimately a Devils win and help them propel to winning the 2000 Stanley Cup. So that's all that's all tremendous. And again, like you said, very unique introduction to NHL hockey and obviously New Jersey Devils hockey. Now, my second question to you, Sam, because you mentioned um, the Dallas Stars and obviously you're coming from covering the Dallas Stars for a while. Can you talk to us about how you ended up in Dallas writing and covering? on the Dallas stars uh, for the last while. Sure. Yeah. So I started out writing just an independent blog. I was kind of covering the whole NHL. I'd focus a little bit on the stars just cause I grew up watching them and the devils um, and ended up getting, getting uh, recognized by the hockey writers, which was my first mm. opportunity on a, on a true outlet that wasn't just my own thing. Right. Uh, and they had, they already had a devil's writer. They didn't have a stars writer. So I went right for it and started writing for the stars. I was actually living in Nashville at the time. Oh. Um, during COVID and then ended up writing for, I think that just that season, um, the season before that, and then the, the COVID season, the shortened mm-hmm. one. And from there, I realized that getting credential was a real thing. I learned more about it. I ended up getting credential through the hockey writers and moved to Dallas for that reason. Uh, just give it to give it a go and, and see how it was. And then once I got down there, I, I fell in love with, with writing for the teams, being around the team, uh, everybody around Dallas was just incredible. And that's how kind of how it worked out for me to write for, for over two seasons down there. 
Now, one thing I'm, I'm really curious about, Sam, is that obviously Dallas is not a traditional hockey market, uh, especially when the Stars came from a traditional market in Minnesota, coming from, you know, being the North Stars to then being um, the Dallas Stars. Can you, for, for my listeners, because I'm sure they're just as curious as I am, talk to us about what it is like in that area with hockey and, and just the Stars in general. Yeah, it's actually kind of a bizarre combination because – you're absolutely right. It's not a traditional market, and it happens to be the home of one of the biggest sports franchises in the entire world. So uh, automatically, even if it was a pretty big hockey city, the Cowboys just overthrow everything down there. So mm-hmm. it's kind of Cowboys and everything else is kind right. of how they separate it. But with that being said, I've never been to a game where it wasn't over 90% full, and almost every single game is sold out, which is pretty wild to think that in such a small market with m- every major sports team that you can possibly have that people were still coming out on a, on a Tuesday night to see the Dallas stars play the Arizona coyotes or, or, you Mm -hmm. know, teams that aren't even big names. Obviously when the Bruins come to town and the the Rangers, you're going to get people from all over, but seeing how it was on a Tuesday against Columbus or compared to Saturday night against Vegas and you got the place rocking. So it was really surprising with how passionate the fans were every practice. There's people there, every event where there's players, people are there. So it's almost like a nice little combo. I think Joe Pavelski talks about it a lot, how he can go yep. to the grocery store and not get mobbed like someone <laughs> like Austin Matthews probably can't in Toronto. Right. So it's kind of a nice combo of you have plenty of fans, you have passionate fans, but you're not a Taylor Swift celebrity walking around in the streets. So, Yeah, I mean, that's that's awesome. I mean, you know, it's definitely interesting to kind of get the perspective of markets that are not as, you know, like we talked about, not considered to be big hockey markets, but Dallas has certainly grown into a pretty big hockey market. Uh, Quick shout out to my good friend Dia, who is from New Jersey. Well, she's actually originally from Texas. Um, Now living in New Jersey, she's a Devils fan and a Stars fan. Um, So there we go. Just wanted to give a quick shout out uh, to her. But my my question to you, again, you know, know, kind of staying on the Stars is, from your time covering the Dallas Stars, what what was your favorite memory or memories um, covering that team? Yeah. So I'm going to give you two answers. I'm going to cheat because yeah. one, no, I, I mean, that's what I, I wanted. You know, if you had I, more than one, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. I wasn't technically working, but I was at the winter classic in Dallas. So that is my Not cheat you. answer where that was incredible, but I wasn't in the press box. So that doesn't necessarily count. Uh, but working there, I think honestly, the, the playoffs last year against Calgary were just wild. Uh, that was my first experience really being there for multiple games for the home team. Um, and then obviously that series was kind of the coming out party for Jake Ottinger. Uh, I wish everyone in the press box in Dallas was saying how they wish that game seven was in Dallas because Ottinger became a celebrity for what he did in that game seven in Calgary, however many miles away. If that yeah. thing was at home, I think we're we're talking even more celebrity status. So that series in, in general uh, and just the, the crazy comebacks they had to make the the grit when they knew they could not score more than two goals, but they still found a way to force a game seven. Uh, it was just pretty incredible and and probably the loudest I've ever seen an arena in my entire life. That was a wild um, game seven last year. I, I remember staying up and watching, watching that. And I remember watching Jake Ottinger when he was playing at Boston university several years prior. So I knew who Jake Ottinger was, but I think that was kind of his coming out party, so to speak, where he really kind of put his name on the map. And for those of you that are not aware, um, he had an unbelievable game. He stopped 64 shots in that game before Johnny Gaudreau, 
um, which ended up being his last big moment as a Calgary Flame, uh, scored the winner from just a, it's just a lucky goal. I mean, at the end of the day, go back and watch if you haven't already. He kind of just threw it on net. And you kind of knew with Jake Oninger playing that well in that game that, you know, it was going to have to come down to something like that for, for that to be the case. So yeah, no, that's, th- those are two phenomenal memories. Um, and really quickly here, before we move on to talking about the devils and everything, um, talk to us a little bit about Jason Robertson. I mean, this kid is unbelievable. Obviously you look at how stars fans love him. It's the same way that devils fans love Jack Hughes and Robertson has had a phenomenal year in his own right. Uh, I believe he's, one of the first Filipino-born players or Filipino descent players to play in the NHL. I think I saw something along those lines. But talk to us a little bit about um, Jason Robertson. Sure. he He's a celebrity down there, like you said, uh, for so many reasons, though. And in order to be really, truly a celebrity in a city like Dallas, and I honestly everywhere, you have to have other things than just being a great player. And Robertson has all of that. Let's, I mean, first on the ice, he... He shocked everybody. He His first season, that COVID-shortened season, he played three games, was like a minus four, ended up getting scratched for like the next seven games, and then comes back, and they form that super line with Pavelski and Hintz, and all of a sudden, he's up there with the Calder, in the Calder race with Caprizov. Yeah. So it it's just wild how quickly he came on, and then everyone thought, all right, second season, a little slowdown. Nope, first 40-goal season. All right, now he's on pace for, for something like 50 and 100 points, and it's just – it just seems like it's, he's never going to slow down. And he has, he's had a little bumps here and there. He obviously had the super long point streak, breaking a bunch of records. So on the ice, he's a superstar. And he's one of the smartest hockey players I've seen in a long time. Uh, he just knows where to be. He knows how to score goals. But then off the ice, first of all, he's incredibly humble. Getting him to talk about himself is nearly impossible. <laughs> he just gives the same answers about his teammates, about his coach, no matter what. And when you ask him, is it important for you to hit this milestone? A lot of times he says he didn't even know it was a milestone and it doesn't come off as like, just kind of saying that it really comes off. Like he just doesn't pay attention to that stuff. And it was huge for him to get in the all-star game. Uh, I believe that seeing someone like you mentioned with Filipino descent coming in and doing that, he's one of the only guys to, to be in the league and he's a superstar. We're trying to grow the game as much as we can. And it's just huge for, for the city. And I think for the league, it's, it's really good. And to be honest, now that I left, I can kind of make this prediction I really see him as the next captain in Dallas. Ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during the first round and the second round of the tournament. Go to the app. Opt in and place a no sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. And there are so many different big time matchups. The one upset matchup I'm looking for is Oral Roberts back in the tournament against the Duke Blue Devils. I'm telling you guys, that is a prime opportunity for a major upset. There's so many other great matchups going on as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, win or lose. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. 
I think that's a totally fair um, take there. I think that there's a really good chance that that ends up being the case. I think he's the guy that you're going to see that team build around with also guys like Miro Haskin and Rupe Hints, all these different guys. And, uh, you know, Dallas, if and when they get in the playoffs, I mean, they're a, they're a dark horse, in my opinion, in the Western Conference to really make a run. I mean, I don't think that 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 uh, final run in the bubble in 2020 was a fluke. I really think that they're – they got something. And obviously, former Devils head coach, now head coach of the, uh, the Stars, Pete DeBoer is there. So um, it didn't work out necessarily for Vegas, but I will tell you as from a Devils perspective and also looking at what he did in San Jose, there's almost a guarantee that most likely the Stars will be in the cup final this year because it's the first year um, for Pete DeBoer. But, you know, Jason Robertson, phenomenal year so far, 68 games, 39 goals, 46 assists for 85 points. I definitely think also he has a chance to be a finalist for the Hart Trophy along with Jack Hughes. Um, both of those guys have been phenomenal. Now let's shift over to, I'm sure, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people, a lot of Devils fans skip to this part, um, but let's talk about the Devils. The first question I have for you, Sam, is this, what made you decide to come back to the Garden State? Yeah, well, a, a bunch of reasons. I mean, number one, coming home is always is always amazing. And for me, it was kind of a weird realization where I've moved around a lot uh, over the past seven to 10 years. I went to college in California. Then I was living in Nashville, living in Austin, living in Dallas, living in California. So I just, I I wanted to explore. I wanted to see, see the country, see where I fit best. But every time I come home for Christmas or for the summer, things like that, I'd be so happy and love to see all my friends. And then I'd be like, oh, it's a bummer that I can't do all these things and do what I love and follow the team that I love. And then I was like, wait a minute. I kind of can. <laughs> so it really was like a, just a strange realization that, Hey, you, you've done this. You got two years in, in Dallas. You, you grew your, your, your career, you grew your experience. Now let's see if this can happen. And then it, of course the, the few things had to, to go right in order to make it happen. But once it did, it, it was a pretty easy decision and it's good to be back, back home and, and somewhere where I feel like I can settle for a very long time. And like I, you know, I, I had reached out to you when you first kind of made the announcement that you were going to come back. And, you know, again, I'm super excited that you are, you know, here. You know, we just, especially this year, we're just getting more and more Devils coverage. A lot more people, you know, Ryan Novozinski of NJ.com. Now his first year with the, you know, covering the Devils, James Nichols of the fourth period is now covering the Devils. And now obviously you're here as well. Just so many different outlets um, and so many opportunities for fans to kind of get more and more coverage of this team. And obviously you're, you're coming back at a good time. You're coming back at a very good time with how everything has gone so far this year. My next question to you, Sam, for people who have not yet checked out your stuff, um, what should fans be looking for in terms of coverage of the devils from your perspective? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, For me, it's going to be a a combination. So in Dallas, I, I did everything from, Beat writing, um, you know, I'm going to be there 90% of the days at practices and morning skates and games and in the locker room. Uh, but the, I think the key here for me, and one of the reasons why I use Substack as my as my main outlet is because I can mix things up where I can do video, I can do podcast, I can do just straight up articles, and mm-hmm. I can do a newsletter style things. So it, it gives me a variety to just talk to you guys exactly how you want. You know, if you're, if I'm getting a bunch of people asking me, why don't you do this t- topic on a podcast instead of in an article? That's great. That's, that's, that's what I'll do. So yeah. I really like to say that the beat writer is what you'll get as, as a base. And then from there, as if you haven't already seen, I'm a hockey nerd. So I will break down video. I will talk to you about tactics. I'll go over X's and O's for the, for the whole day. 
Uh, but then, you know, exclusive interviews, things like that. Uh, I like to keep it fun, you know, maybe go to lunch with, with guys and have conversations that are a little bit outside of the rink, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, to answer you a wide variety is really it. I'm, I'm here for you guys. And that's why we do it is because of the fans and we want you to get the deepest coverage possible. And if you are like me and you're going to read all the way, the deep, you know, every writer possible and get all the deep stuff. Great. If you want the base stuff, I have that as well. And that's kind of what we, we try to do here in, in media in general. All of that sounds really exciting. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. I've actually already um, subscribed to the email alerts. Um, so I've already been reading a bunch of the stuff that you've been, putting out, even stuff that you were still writing for the Dallas stars um, guys, if you haven't already, um, please go uh, subscribe to it. Please do that because you know, Sam's going to be putting out a lot of really awesome content for you guys. It's just another opportunity to get more coverage um, about the New Jersey devils, which is absolutely phenomenal. My next question to you, Sam, is this. Uh, looking at the Devils at this point in the season, we're midway through the month of March. The Devils are obviously going to make the playoffs for the first time in several years, and they're having arguably their best season in franchise history in terms of points and potentially wins. They've never won 50 games in a season. They're doing a lot of things that no other Devils team, even the three cup teams, uh, ever did. What, what do you make of this team at this point? Because I've said before, I've just run out of words to describe this Devils team. Yeah, I mean, they're overachieving. I think I don't think anybody can question that. Uh, they're, they're, everyone knew this team was going to be good. The, the pieces they put together, the youngsters they have and still have that aren't even on the team yet, everyone knew that eventually they were going to be good. I just don't think they knew it was going to be this quick. And this drastic, right. <laughs> you know, it's hard. It's hard to go from missing the playoffs for for a certain amount of years and then fighting for first place in the not the Eastern Conference because Boston is just on a ridiculous pace, but in the right. Metro Division uh, with a team like Carolina. So they're definitely overachieving, but um, that's not to say that they're not deserving of it. Overachieving, yes, but they're for real, and I think that people are starting to understand that. You can see just the type of wins they have. It's not like you know. Sometimes you see those teams that are high flying. They score a bunch of goals. They're winning a bunch of games. Look at 2015-16 Dallas Stars were a perfect example. They won the Western Conference, but they couldn't save anything for their lives. Right. Um, I believe actually Lindy Ruff was still the coach at that time in Dallas. Yep. Um, yeah, that's correct. And so they just didn't have goaltending. They weren't a team that you ever, even if you're following, thought was for real. It doesn't feel that way here. You know, the Devils can win a game where they're they're flying and scoring five goals, or they win those games that are that are kind of ugly, and you you think, all right, here comes a team that's going to push them aside because of their experience, and they don't. They don't back down, and mm -hmm. I think that's really been impressive so far. I think all those points are, are very valid, and obviously, we're you know we got 15 games to go uh, in this season, and. Uh, it feels like we're just getting started with how much the Devils have made believers out of everybody and uh, really kind of quieted all of the critics. It'll be really interesting to see how they can, you know, go about things moving forward and obviously once they get into the playoffs. So now let's kind of recap last night's um, game. Uh, so all the good stuff kind of goes away uh, as the Devils played for the first time in a while, just didn't play well at all and didn't end up winning because they've had games in the past this year where they didn't look good, but still found a way to win this time around first time against the three time defending Eastern conference champions and winners of two of the last three Stanley cups, Tampa lightning were a little bit banged up. Steven Stamkos didn't play 
uh, last night. There is a chance he will play on Thursday, so we will see what things what the lineup will be uh, for Tampa. Andre Palat's first uh, game against his former team since coming over uh, via free agency. And the Devils got off to a good start, Sam. You know, Damon Severson kind of acted like a forward, right place, right time, kind of bangs it in on a rebound. Devils up one nothing, And then just a couple minutes later, it looks like it's 2-0. Um, Ryan Graves throwing a puck on net, and it gets past Vasilevsky. But the Lightning challenge it for goalie interference, and it ends up, being goalie interference. So I guess my first question to you is, do, do you feel that that was the right call? Do you feel like it was it was ticky-tacky? Like, what, what were your thoughts about uh, the refs calling that goalie interference on Tatar? I believe it was the wrong call. Uh, I, I think that whether or not he bumped him a little bit, I believe that with a league that is trying to score more goals, and that is all the focus has been on for like 10 years, let's score more goals, let's make this more exciting because goalies are too good then why are we calling off plays that are ticky tacky? Like you said, you know, that right. he didn't do anything to, I understand if you'd knock the glove down with a stick or something like that, but it looks like he's kind of getting pushed. So you could argue a little bit of a push. And then he looks like he barely kind of bumps into the goalie who didn't even see the shot anyway. So who knows if he's going to make the save. And I right. just think that in those situations, especially when it's called a goal on the ice, there was no reason for that to have been reversed. And you could definitely tell that right after that, the complete dynamic of the game changed. It all of a sudden, the Devils had energy, energy, and then they just kind of, it fell out. Everything just kind of fell apart. And it started with giving up yet another shorthanded goal. Hagel comes up the, the right side after, again, another just way too much passing on the power play. Leads to a shorthanded two-on-one opportunity. And then Anthony Sorelli, who just came back in the lineup, goes top shelf, beating Vitek Vanacek to tie the game. And things just kind of snowballed out of control. You know, they just continued to make, you know, stupid mistakes. Dougie Hamilton being bunched up near the Devils bench leads to another two-on-one. Brett ends up taking a penalty, but Alex Kalorn wide open in the slot. I mean, he could he could sit there and have a picnic for 10 minutes. That's how much time he had in the slot. And he buried one beating VTech. And, you know, the Devils just couldn't get anything going from that point. A lot of frustration. Tampa did a really good job of kind of slowing the game down and slowing the Devils down. Um, and the Devils ended up dropping this one at home 4-1. to one. Uh, So obviously not a great game from the Devils overall. I mean, what are, what are your assessments from what really went wrong after it was, you know, after that uh, goal that was waved off due to goalie interference? Yeah, I think Nico Heischer said it perfectly. It, they lost their energy but they shouldn't have. And that was actually an example of the team showing maybe a little bit of immaturity and falling into that trap of mm. this didn't go right. And yes, it's a huge momentum switch, obviously going from one, nothing to two, nothing when you're dominating mm -hmm. the game and probably deserve to be up to zero that that hurts, but you need to be able to respond to that. And I think it was a perfect lesson from a team that's been to the biggest games three straight years in a row. And right. I think that that they, they kind of fell into that trap of, we're going to fall back now. We lost our momentum. We can't get anything going. And then it hurt a lot even more when they kept hitting posts. And every time the Lightning seemed to get a chance, they scored a goal. And uh, that that doesn't help. I believe it was three goals on seven shots in the second period for Tampa. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't help. Uh, but 
you still need to be able to find a way to stay on your game. And as you mentioned, it was just two on one after two on one turnover passes that weren't clicking. Then they'd get one good shift and you think, all right, they finally got it. They're back on. And then it would go right back to the same thing. So I think that was a, a showing of, of a little bit of immaturity and a good lesson for them really, because learn right now so that you don't learn in April or May. And obviously they're going to get a chance to go right back at the lightning to, you know, on Thursday. Um, and then they'll play them again on Sunday. So, you know, no, no time to kind of, you know, you know, wallow in self pity here. You got to go back out there and play now. Um, you know, you shared this and, and a lot of other devils reporters shared this. Um, you know, the question was asked to Lindy Ruff, if he put the blame on VTech Vanacek for last night's game. And obviously VTech from a, from a statistical standpoint of late has really been struggling other than Sunday's um, three, nothing shut of Carolina. Um, do you kind of agree with Lindy in the sense that it was more just a lot of bad passes that led to those breakouts, those two on ones. That's the way I saw. I, I saw this. Did VTech give up some goals? Maybe he should have stopped. Yeah. But also he wasn't the one creating these two-on-one opportunities every five minutes and leaving guys wide open in the slot. Like, do you kind of agree with what Lindy was saying there? I do. And I, I think that you can you can always look at a goalie and say he didn't make those saves and he was making those saves at this point in the season. So it, you know, if he's kind of been that way all year, you're not even looking at him to blame. It's just because he's been better. And so he had he's had a few bad games. I think he's been in the eight hundreds a ton uh, for the last seven or eight games. But Lindy has a great point because if you watch the goals, like you mentioned, Kalorn had a week to shoot. Uh, Kucherov and, and Point were just playing catch, look, making the Devils look like they were kind of spinning around in their own zone. Right. The shorthanded, the shorthanded two on one that turns into a shorthanded breakaway. I mean, what what are you asking him to do? Maybe he gets one of those if he's really on his game, but you can't ask him to save all three of those. That those are golden. Those are higher than grade A chances. Those are golden chances, and yeah. I think that that if you clean those things up and on top of that, don't give up at the seven shots. I mean, probably four of them were on man rushes. So yeah. that's a really hard game to play in as a goalie where you got no flow. You're not getting any shots that you can see until they're right on top of you. Uh, that's a really tough game. And I think that, that Lindy has a good point. Um, I believe part of him would probably say that no matter what, that's how head coaches they'll, they'll defend their goaltenders. Right. you know, a lot of times to the death, but I believe he's right in this, in this instance. And I think that, they have plenty of good from Banachek, plenty of good from Schmid to not really have to worry a ton about that. Like it's some kind of problem that's going to end their season. I think you're absolutely correct. And I think Lindy is correct in the, in the sense, if you watch the whole game, you could see how many times Tampa just had all day to make plays. And when you're taking on a, a veteran team like that, they're going to make you pay. And I think the devils for the, at least the second time this year, after the ref blew a call or whatever. The Devils just couldn't recover. The only other time I could think of was when we had the craziness back in November against the Leafs and we had three goals taken back. And obviously that was a little bit different because it was more than one goal taken back. But at the same time, the Devils just showing their immaturity, still obviously learning you know, that they have a target on their back and that teams are going to give them their best game. And Tampa's a good example of that. And so We'll see if the Devils can bounce back. I feel pretty confident because they have shown throughout the season to bounce back after games, you know, after losses. So we'll see what they can bring on Thursday. And my last question to you, Sam, um, is simply this. Uh, you posted an article that came out Wednesday morning, um, which I actually read before uh, you jumped on. Talk about the Devils goalie problem, but what kind of situation are they in? And it was a really interesting article from the sense. Uh, and by the way, if you haven't read it yet, please go and check it out. Um, 
it, it's it's such a weird situation right now. With obviously VTech is the number one guy, but then there's still the question mark of who is going to be that one B goaltender to VTech. We thought it was Blackwood beginning of the year, wasn't. Then Akira Schmidt comes up, plays really really well for a stretch of time in November and early December. You know Blackwood comes back. He kind of struggles, you know, a little bit here or there, but then eventually has a couple of really strong games, even if the win-loss record doesn't show it. And now Blackwood's hurt again. And even though Lindy Ruff said he's progressing, he's practicing, he doesn't have a timetable for him. So can you give us some more context uh, of just the Devils' quote-unquote situation when it comes to, you know, the goaltending, especially in the backup position? Yeah, you know, what's funny about that article is originally, you know, a week ago when I thought of, of what I was going to write that about, it was originally just going to be on the Devils have three goalies for two spots. And right. then things kind of transpired the way they have, and it turned into that, but also the fact that they don't really know who is going to be their backup, and they don't really know how confident they are in their starter. And I think that, that that's a lot of things going around with the goalie room. And so essentially, I think they have two decisions. I mean, one, which Vanacek are we going to get? And is it the one from before that was dominant? And I mean, showing that he was finally at that point to be a full season starter. I mean, he's, he just played his, his career high 43rd game of a year. He's only played 42 or less. So right. that, that hit you hit a wall sometimes when you do that. That's why you always talk about the sophomore slump and things like that. So mm -hmm. they, they have to ask themselves that question and then they have to figure out, okay, one, who's our starter. If it's, let's it's Vanacek. Okay. Right. Who's behind him a, and how much confidence do we have in the fact that we put him as one? Do we think we need someone that we feel better to be a one B like you mentioned, or is this person going to be a backup that's there when he struggles or when, or if right. there's an injury. And the interesting part that with the Blackwood and Schmidt is that, neither one of them has playoff experience. So you can't right. even fall on Yeah, It's Blackwood's older. I believe he's 26. I believe Correct. Yep. Smith's the youngster, but he hasn't played in the playoffs mm -hmm. and he struggled when he was here. So you really have a hard time looking at, at the facts and saying, here's who gives us the best chance. And then on top of all that, Schmidt comes with his own complications because of the emergency recall they had to make because mm -hmm. of his age, because Blackwood needs waivers to get down to the AHL. It's just, it's a really complicated mess. And I think that it's something that Lindy's probably doing a good job covering up because they might not be sure right now. And I wouldn't be either. I mean, it, right. there's no answer. There's no, this guy's doing this, this guy's doing this. That's our answer because there's so many pieces that go into it. So it's nothing to panic about. I'm not calling it a, a problem in the sense of they need to figure this out. Like, Oh, mm -hmm. they should have traded for a goalie. Nothing like that. They have right. three NHL caliber goalies. It's just figuring out how to use them to your advantage. And keep in mind, guys, that um, during uh, one of the latest road trips, the Devils, uh, quote unquote, sent Akira Schmidt back down to Utica and then immediately called him back up. It was a paper transaction because the Devils want to have the opportunity, if they need to, to send Akira back down to Utica for their playoff run. Because I believe that that might be what the Devils, um, at least before Blackwood got hurt, were hoping would be the case, that... Blackwood would be fine, and then Schmidt could go back down to Utica. You have Nico Dawes and Akira Schmidt as your goaltending tandem uh, for the playoffs down there, and you have VTech and Blackwood here. So I know I said this was the last, uh, that was the last question, but just kind of a quick two-parter for you, kind of piggybacking up your said. First one is simply this. Do you start VTech again, you know, tonight? You got a lot of you are listening to this on Thursday. Do you start him tonight versus the Lightning? Um 
or do you go with Akira Schmid? And then I guess the next question is what, what I know you said it was kind of an impossible question to a- answer right now, but wh- what would be in your, in your mind, uh, the right tandem to go with um, into the playoffs? Yeah. So for, first of all, I would start Schmid. Uh, if I was, if I was Lindy, just because of not, not only did he not play very well and obviously gave up the the four goals, but they're playing Florida and Tampa back to back on the weekend. So you don't want him to, you don't want to take a risk of him, not only, you know, playing two really intense games in two to in three days, but also what if he didn't play well again, that could severely hurt confidence. Whereas you give him a night, let him watch the game, then plays against Florida. And it's a very different story. So in my opinion, I would, I would go with Schmid and then put VTech back in, into, into the, one of the games on the weekend, but going forward with the goaltending scenario, if I could choose and there wasn't the complications, Schmid, it looks like he's ready, especially Mm -hmm. because he's not being asked to be the starter. You know, if you're asking a 22 year old and he's going to come in and be the one guy that that's a whole different conversation, but Mm -hmm. to come in and back up and be there in cases needed, I think he looks ready. He's been absolutely fantastic and looked very solid and comfortable, which is the biggest thing because the devil, like you mentioned, have the target on the back. So they're not playing a bunch of easy games at the end of a season that you kind of put an asterisk on with how well the goalie's playing. They're playing intense playoff race games against some really good teams. And he's just played absolutely phenomenal. So that would be my decision. And then what I think I would do probably is keep Blackwood on the roster because you, I don't believe they want to risk losing him to on, on a waiver wire to for nothing. Um, the problem with that then becomes who do you lose on your roster from a forward or a defensive spot? Cause you can only carry the 23 guys. So that's kind of how I would approach it. Um, yeah. But the other option is send send Schmidt down and give Blackwood one last chance. Let's say he's ready, you know, Monday. Right. Give him a chance to play three games. If he shows up and he looks healthy and looks looks good like he hasn't sometimes in the past, give him a chance. If he comes mm-hmm. in and he looks like he was when he was struggling a little bit and his numbers weren't great, I think your decision is made right there. I think all very good points. Uh, I should mention to everybody that, look, Akira Schmidt not too long ago was playing in the USHL for the Sioux City Musketeers and ended up being the goalie of the year down there. And then last year, you know, granted he had a cup of coffee in the NHL and didn't do very well, but then again, you know, our defense was so unbelievably poor and everything. It was just disaster last year. Um, In Utica last year, Akira Schmidt ended up being also goalie of the year. So he has progressed and gotten better over time. Then he comes back here to New Jersey this year and has played very, very strong. Um, He got a shutout and granted it was against the Flyers, but a seven nothing shutout a couple weeks ago. You know, he's really had some good games, and the Devils certainly, I think, have some confidence in him. Um, but again, we have to see what happens if and when Blackwood comes back, which, again, we, according to Lindy Ruff, we have literally no timeline. So, you know, as Lindy put it, I think he said something like, we'll burn that bridge when we get to it, basically. He was like, we'll, we'll, we'll handle that situation when it comes. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see with that. But, Sam, this was, this was phenomenal, man. It, it was so great to get to know you. Uh, we're all so excited to have you part of, you know, the Devils family, Devils coverage. Uh, before I let you go, though, as I do with all my guests, I like to roll out the red carpet and uh, give you the opportunity to promote anything you've got going on and where uh, people can find you and interact with you. So the floor is yours, my friend. Sure. Yeah. On Twitter, it's just at Sam Nestler. And then my my main outlet's going to be, I believe it's samnestler.substack.com. So pretty simple. Uh, get get all my articles and podcasts right to your email and you can also view them on the site. But Neil, this was super fun for me and I'm really happy to be here. So Devils fans, 
I'm very excited to to meet you, interact with you, and and get to learn more and more about this team. Thanks for uh, for having me on, Neil. Of course, and uh, we will definitely have you on again on the podcast down the road. But thank you again, man, and we will uh, we will continue to talk. Sounds good.